Hi guys, and welcome to Thrive and Survive, a podcast about creatives who are trying to navigate how to balance their art, money, friends, family, and anything else that comes their way. We'll be talking about their motivation, mindset, creative process, and the challenges that they face while they focus on their artistic goals. I'm Stacey Peterson, and my guest today is textile artist Kat from Cat Rabbit. We talk about how her designs have changed over the years, how she creates the little worlds that her sculptures live in, and the direction she wants to take her art in the future. Let's do it. Well, I am talking today to Kat from Cat Rabbit, who is a textile artist. It's so nice to chat with you today. Thank you for making the time. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, when I first came across your work, um, I was just tickled by it. It's such a, your, your designs and sculptures are so unique and so specific that even just looking at them, you can tell they have a character. Um, and I'm just wondering how you create your, the little worlds that you design to and is there a process behind it or you just kind of dream up a scenario and then your hands start working to make it come to fruition? Yeah, maybe that last one is the closest <laughs> to the mind. <laughs> um, it depends, I guess, on the actual whatever it is I'm creating. But, um, yeah, I used to kind of have a process where I would draw it or sketch it all out um, and then make it. But now I, I tend to skip that bit and I don't know if that's good or bad. It's more that I just, like, I kind of maybe know how, how I'm going to go about things because I've done it a few times, so I just skip over it and just start um and usually I'll come up with the character first um and then more recently in the last couple of years I've started making little worlds for them um I guess it's just a natural progression of of the work so I'll come up with a character sometimes I will take a couple of days to work out what it should be wearing and then I'll think of a um kind of a world that I'd like it to live in um and yeah I mean sometimes the characters yeah they don't they don't inhabit a world as such I I like to shoot them just with a really blank background and um people can kind of work out themselves where they think they might be coming or going from (laughs) Um, yeah and how I guess this is it's such a unique um kind of style that you have in your pieces I'm wondering from when you kind of first started your textile career were you kind of creating similar things and it's just been refined over time or have you had a journey of you know styles and personalities and things that you focused on throughout I'd love to hear other things that you've worked on or how that's kind of been refined over the years oh it's definitely been refined when I first started making them they were just gifts well, not just gifts, like I was investing a lot of time in making these gifts, but I, um, they were basically very two-dimensional. I, I did a lot of drawing, like I, I was going to art school at the time and I, I was drawing these little characters that I didn't think had much consequence, um, very separate from my actual artwork that I was doing at the time and um, they were very simple characters and I, I just translated them into little two-dimensional cushiony type um, characters and then I kind of as years went on I was make, spending more time making these characters and looking at making them more three-dimensional I, I guess like I'm always 
uh, and still now always trying to just make them better, more like they are in my head um, every time. So like every time I make a new thing, it will I'll add something to it, whether it be intentional or not. Like I, I made these little croissant characters and I was looking at some photos today and I looked at the old ones I did a couple of years ago. I'm like, they're completely different to me. Um, so I guess, yeah, um, I guess I'm always adding or trying to make things better. Um, I started needle felting a couple of years ago, which added another dimension. Um, so kind of working with new techniques to see how I can create new characters. Yeah. Um, does that answer your question? (laughs) So did it kind of start what ended up now being, I guess, the, the career you've followed, it kind of started as a, as a kind of a side thing while you were studying art what when you were at art school was it were you studying textiles and at least in that realm or something completely different and you just happened to fall in love with that as you went something completely different yeah I was I was at art school and I was um also uh studying literature so I was doing a combined arts and fine arts degree um I think I had it in my head this was in like year 2000, I think, uh, that I would, um, because I did graphic design, drawing, art theory, and then literature, writing, creative writing, Um, I was like, I'm going to work for a magazine, (laughs) which I was like, well, now, hmm. Anyway, uh, that's a whole another time. But um, And so very much what I make now, uh, I was just doing it for fun and it really came out of, something that I definitely did in the sidelines and I didn't have any uh, kind of intention to make it my career. Um, uh, I've always loved characters and I've always loved drawing them, but at the time it was so different to what I was making then, um, logos and packaging design and all that, which has actually really helped me now. Um, But, yeah, it definitely wasn't what I intended to do. and it all just happened by accident very slowly. <laughs> so. And what was kind of the process or, or how long did it take from making them as gifts kind of for friends and family to starting to sell them to uh, taking that leap into, okay, I'm not just selling them on the side, I'm selling this as my job. Like what was that timeline like? Mm, yeah, I don't even know. I guess in the last couple of years I've, I've really tried to do things more on purpose because until then I was just like, oh, this is just an accident, you know. <laughs> but then I'm like, wait, this is my life. I don't want my life to be just an accident. So it's only in the last like two or three years that I've done things on purpose and and been like, no, this is what I'm doing. So it was probably like, yeah, I guess year 2000 was when I was finishing up my degrees and um and kind of looking for another job or a job that was the outcome of my degree. And then I um, I did honours and it kind of kept going to uni. <laughs> and at the same time, um, making these things. And then I, at, at the same time as all of that, um, the handmade kind of movement came about. So there was that big push towards handmade markets and um, people kind of starting up their own businesses and um yeah, just like people wanting to see handmade things, I suppose. And a couple of friends opened up a shop in Hobart where I lived at the time and 
said, I will stock your things. And to my surprise, I was so surprised that they sold. (laughs) And they just kept asking for them and I kept taking them in. And so I was at the right place at the right time. And, um, And then I decided to be invited to exhibitions and some friends that I've had uh, that were making things at the time were we were all encouraging each other um, and it just grew very, very slowly. So, yeah, I guess in the last, gosh, 20 years, <laughs> it kind of really, so I guess that was, yeah, 2005 or 2006 was when I was finishing up uni. So, um, yeah, that makes it seem a little better. <laughs> but it has been. Well, it's, great. it's great to have um, friends and creative friends around you that kind of give credit to that being something you can get paid for. You know what I mean? It's so easy for your group to say, oh, no, no, keep it as a side thing. So it's great that they've um, encouraged you because it's never easy, right, to jump jump straight into that. Yeah, I, I'm very lucky that I've had lots of encouragement um, and I guess that was a lot of the reason why I got into it. It was like, well, this really does feel like the um, what the universe wants me to do right now. Um, and and I just kind of kept going in that direction. And as I said, it was sort of accidental. I'd just be like, well, one project would lead to the next and, and it was all very organic. And I never kind of pushed it, um, which I guess another thing that I was lucky that I didn't have to people responded to these little um happy things I was putting out um which I was lucky and yeah just timing as well as lucky with that so bit of luck but also I I do get it I do work a lot (laughs) (laughs) kind of addiction I suppose and it's something like the actual act of doing it is has really kept me going like mentally, uh, mental health-wise, I just, like, I need to have this output. It really, um, yeah, it's something that I really love doing. So that that as well. Well, it's wonderful kept- that it still brings that level of joy and release for you and other yeah, people yeah. enjoy it, but you still enjoy it and that's, that's a good balance to have. I'm wondering, yeah. when you first, like, say when your friends said, come put your, sell your stuff in our store, how did you go about pricing something like that? I guess because they're quite unique and different, it wouldn't be so easy to find something similar on the market and go, oh, that's how you price um, this, these beautiful characters. Um, so I'm wondering how did you set that price and over the years as, you, as you've gained that momentum, how have you negotiated increasing the price or has it stayed the same or has it lowered? What, what's the thought process behind that to sustain selling as things get more and more complicated as you get more and more technical? Um, yeah, I guess I, I was dreadful at that. I was going in blind. Um, I, I basically talked to the people who ran the shops. Um, they were, like There were two different shops that were stocking my stuff at the time in Hobart. Um, and because Hobart is such a friendly place, Everyone had everyone's back. I just talked to people really openly about it. And um, at the time, I guess because it was essentially a soft toy, there's only so much people will pay for that. Mm. Um, So it started off, they would just be like, well, how long did it take you? Let's give you an hourly rate. And they would help me with it and they'd help me work out 
how much to charge and it was really nice. Um, but obviously it was a little amount. It was very small. Um, and so as as I went on, I just talked to people all the time about it, talked to friends who make things as well. Like, I feel like you can never stop learning from other makers as well. And someone at one point pointed out to me, um, if you undercharge for your work, you're also undercharging everyone else in your industry, which I think was the perspective I needed because obviously I was like, I don't care about undercharging myself, but I do care about undercharging for other people. And when they put it like that, I was like, oh, okay, that I've got to get serious about this. Um, and now I understand, like I kind of, there was a point where uh, with my work I could either make a lot of work that didn't take so long to put out in the world, but I think I'd rather make less but make it um, more detailed. Um, uh, so I kind of decided I'd get, at one point I decided I'd get better at the photography, I'd get better at like making an entire world and just like expanding on the one character so that I could kind of use the characters as sort of actors. And so I kind of tried to get better at making insights into the worlds. So in that way I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to work on my photography skills and try and give them little actions and movements so that I can use these characters as actors, I guess. Um, if I can say so that was paid off because your, <laughs> your social media, the little movies or um, things you make on your pages are, are very charming. So, um, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess like I just decided to trade off for like making lots. I didn't want to go that way. I just wanted to... Um, make less but make it as good as I could and I decided to yeah work on those skills like photography and stuff like that so I could make the most of it and capture them the way I wanted to capture them I mean sometimes I can see them with my eyes and they look completely different through the lens I like you know for for the better or worse you know sometimes they can be so photogenic but when I'm making them on my desk I'm like hmm, this is never going to translate um so, yeah, it can be a surprise. <laughs> and do you enjoy that process? I know you wanted to, to do it to kind of focus more on creating quality over quantity. Have you kind of grown to enjoy that? Do you enjoy the social media um, engagement side of things or is it kind of part of the job or it's something you invest in on its own? Um, oh, no, I really enjoy that part. I enjoy that they, the characters can be used to tell a story and um, so in that way I'm kind of communicating something, um, whether someone's employing me to communicate something or I'm just communicating whatever it is I want to communicate. Um, so I enjoy that I kind of am creating something that, yeah, then can I guess act out a little a little story for some reason. So. Yeah, I I um I think I like having just a small amount to work with um or making a a designated amount. So usually I work in like a series if I make a series it's usually like of 5 or 6 uh of a certain character and then they all interact um yeah in a little story. <laughs> yeah. Um and 
I'm wondering, where would you say most of your business comes from? Like a lot of makers, Instagram is their kind of main showcase platform and a lot of people come through there. I'm, I'm just curious if you're the same or there are other channels that people find you on and reach out to you or do you have repeat customers? What's the general breakdown of the people who are purchasing um, your designs? Um, I think it changes all the time. Um, I do have a few collectors that have stayed with me from the very beginning, which is so nice. And I feel I, I can't even express how grateful I am to those people. Like it's it's just so um, when I'm writing a le- newsletter or something, and I know I'm writing to them. It's just like I probably sound, <laughs> you know, way too gushy about it. But, um, yeah, those people really <laughs> um you know, I've been so supportive the whole way through. Um, And then there's just, like, I like it when new people come to my work. Sometimes they don't understand it at all and they're just, like, ready to go along for the ride. Um, But mostly I found that it will change all the time um, and that is something that I just have to buckle in for. So, you know, for a while I was selling through my Etsy shop mostly and then, I just switched to markets for a while and did markets and then I kind of went away from markets and I thought, no more markets, I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. You know, like you just, um, there are trends, I suppose, of selling just like there are trends with anything mm-hmm. and I'm just, the only constant is that I keep making things. Um, and now in this tricky, tricky time, I guess it's all online, um, but I I'm kind of trying to focus on just things that people can see via social media. So just like a little snippet that will maybe, you know, um, be a positive little insight for the day. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't know, it's weird when, like, you think about what you can provide that is free for someone um, to kind of engage with. Um, I don't always want people to have to pay for it, you know, so it's nice that I have this kind of Instagram as a kind of little place, a little playground, I guess, where I can test things out and people can um, watch and just enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. And with so many so many kind of negative things out there at the moment, it's nice to have that reprieve and have some joy. <laughs> How, how I'm wondering has has the situation of um, self isolation and the social distancing restrictions has that how has that impacted your work Have you noticed it's had an impact on your creativity You hear so many people say now I'm inside all the time I'm feeling more creative and productive and others are the opposite So I'm just curious what your personal experience has been um, with your work Yeah Yeah it's it's I guess it's like swings and roundabouts I find I distract it a lot easier um but I I do work a lot from home anyway so that part of it is fine um the way I communicate with yeah with my uh, followers and stuff hasn't really changed but um I guess I guess it's something that you always wonder like how will it trickle down to affect you later like that's but no one really knows <laughs> that part of it um so that I guess lovely uncertainty I, factor <laughs> <laughs> wonderful um but yeah I mean it's ev- the same for everyone but I 
Um, yeah, in terms of how I work, I guess the only thing that's changed is that I just I have to have a list beside me because my distraction is at a point where I'm like I have to distract myself with actual practical things because otherwise I'll just end up, I don't know, I have this thing with like putting all the food in my house in jars, like it's so satisfying. <laughs> I'll just find myself doing that. I'm like, wait, I was supposed to be doing this other work and then, you know, I've been trying to channel tra- channel my distractions and be like, okay, if I get distracted, go and do this thing. Anyway, I'm trying to, like, take hold of my distraction. Anyway, but that's that's the main thing that affected me. <laughs> and do you kind yeah. of have any other rituals, either before we've got into the lockdown of sorts or they've come now? Do you have any rituals that you follow daily or weekly that help you stay on track in terms of that productivity stuff you were talking about? Um, yeah, I, I guess I was going, I kind of was going all right. I mean, I, I, um, I usually like to put on a podcast or an audio book or something and then be like, okay, when this chapter is over, I'll start a new thing. Cause I feel like I really have to measure out time in chunks and, um, and change it up and also just stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Cause otherwise I can find myself sinking down. And my posture is dreadful. And so just trying to, like, work out my day so it has, you know, like an hour of editing on the computer and then I'll spend an hour at this desk in the lounge room and then an hour at my desk in the study, an hour standing up, you know, just so, like, physically I can change my posture. (laughs) Sometimes, particularly, like, when I was was young and didn't care about posture, um, I would just spend, you know, like 12 hours in the same position, just hunched and stitching and, you know, phew, that's no good. So, yeah. <laughs> and I'm also curious, I, I was kind of doing my research before we were we met up and you've got a few other things that are on the go, like you you run um, soft stories. So you, you are creating little critters for children's storybooks, is that right? Yeah, so Soft Stories is uh, my ongoing collaboration with Isabel Knowles. Um, she's an amazing artist, um, an animator, an illustrator. She does everything. Um, and we, back when I first moved to Melbourne, um, we met through a mutual friend and we just off the cuff made an animation. Um, and I was, I had never done any animation at that point. Um, and it was just so magical. Um, and also the way she works is so playful and it's it's a joy to behold so it's really it's a real breath of fresh air working with her um particularly when like all of my other work is very like introverted I guess like I am just making something that is in my mind and I'm just very quiet and silent so it's nice to do something with someone else that's playful and fun and um and just also um yeah, just just incredibly joyful. So we um, made this animation called Our Know How and then were approached by a publisher to turn it into a book and um, did that and then made more and just as we made one project we would have an idea for a funny thing to make in the future. We got really into making factories and we um, had a grant to make a factory um, in collaboration with small children that, art play which was fun um so they decided what would be in the factory and 
um, yeah, so it's taken on a lot of different forms and um, it's just a really fun collaboration. Um, yeah, we at the moment we're working separately, obviously, but we've got plans for more work and it's just nice to have that change of routine and and just to work with someone else. Um, yeah. And I'm also curious, just I hear this word thrown around a lot and I'm always wondering which comes first, kind of the chicken or the egg. With so many things, you know, you've got your sculptures, soft stories, you've got prints. Does the word like diversification come up as a planning tool and then these sprout from that or really they're just natural evolutions of what you're currently doing and they just happen to head into that area? I'm just always so curious because now we're all in lockdown and lots of people have lost certain streams of income that word's just being thrown around a lot, I feel like, in the creative community. And I'm, I'm wondering where you sit with it, whether it's something you consider actively or it just happens as life goes on. Yeah, I, I guess, like, I've always taken it as a given because I am working in such a, such a niche um, area that I've just always thought, well, if I'm going to make this work, I have to figure out creative ways of doing so and also just never take any kind of income stream for granted so I know as I was saying before like it just um there's trends like all the time for a while there was workshops just I was making all my money on workshops but then for a while it was markets and so I kind of am always willing to diversify but I don't even think about it as doing that I'm just like this is just my work <laughs> is just following a different, you know, path um, and then turning onto another path and not being too worried when one will fizzle out. Um, so I guess it's adaptability. Um, I, I know that I will always make these things whether people want to see them or not. <laughs> and so I just kind of work out a way to kind of, I guess, I guess it's more of a like, um, uh, like recently, for example, like I really just wanted to make, see if I could do, make a tiny little animation, string it all together, edit it all together uh, and see if I could do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this. This is my, um, like I give myself a false deadline and, you know, just, just to see if I can do it. So I have to pretend that it's a real thing that someone's asked for where it's just me that's <laughs> that wants it. <laughs> so, and then from there, spring stuff. So this is what I find is that if I follow that kind of um, path, like I make something I really want to make myself, I feel like people react to that honestly and also then it will have a follow-on effect with if you put that kind of work in the world, the work that you want to do, then that's the work you will get. So I really believe that that doing something just for fun or just um, and putting it out there, people really seem to latch onto that. And then that seems to be what I will be commissioned to make. So I I kind of follow that <laughs> that path, and it serves me okay so far. But who knows? <laughs> I think that's yeah. smart because you you can tell you you can see the difference between um, when something is created from the heart or from that person's actual interest or for the people thinking that's what they'll want to buy. You know, there's definitely that difference um and I'm wondering are there any particular 
goals or milestones that you're that in your mind you're working towards as in um to expand to a certain area to try a new technique um what's your kind of current on your current dream vision board <laughs> yeah good question i i really i really want to make um so i the way that i work is without a pattern and so it's very hard to trans- translate that into because a lot of people want to make things too and because it's such a um like a therapeutic process for me I kind of want to share that part of it which is hard to do um because I'm very bad at explaining things (laughs) and when workshops I usually just show people how like do the thing and put this on here and then they're like oh I see but you know um so I'd really like to make a book and somehow translate my process um into a book um that showed people how to make things um, but in a fun way, I'm trying to work out how to do it. No one's asked me to do it. I just want to do it. <laughs> well, like you said, you do something that you would want to see, people will want to see it as well. So I yeah, think we'll see. it's an instinct to, to follow on. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been just great kind of hearing about your work and your the little worlds you create. And I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to chat with me today. I'm very appreciative. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you so much. And um, if you have, do you have any release dates or things you want to, you want to spruik? I'll, I'll add your Instagram and everything to the end. I'm just wondering if there's any things um, that you want to shout out to. No, I, I don't think so. I'll think of them after for sure, yeah. but I can't think of them now. <laughs> Let me go then. <laughs> I'm sure I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh, well, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much, Kat. I've, um, it's been great talking. Thank you. You can find out more about Kat on her website, cat-rabbit.squarespace.com or on her Instagram at cat underscore rabbit. Thanks for listening and I'm excited to bring you along to meet some more interesting people who are balancing the art of making art. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Thrive and Survive Podcast or check out the website, thriveandsurvivepodcast.squarespace.com. And that's it for now. You've been listening to Thrive and Survive. See you in the next episode.